Well, good morning. It's wonderful to see you here. Great to uh, have those who are joining us on live stream or perhaps uh, tuning in a little later on our website or uh, online. Delighted that you're here today. If you have your Bibles with you, wherever you're gathered this morning, let me invite you to open them to 1 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to read this morning, beginning with verse 9 of this chapter, and I'll read through the end of the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Paul is writing and he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food, but God will destroy both one and the other. The body was not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise, up by his, raise you up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee, therefore, from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. I want you to pray with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to open together your word this morning and look at some things I pray might help us as your people understand and understand clearly how we should live our lives. There is so much confusion today. There is so much division today, so much disagreement today over so many things. Father, you have given us a clear word as to how we as your people should live our lives before this culture and in this world. And so, Lord, help us today to understand that we might 
be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we might represent Him and who you are in a world that has just gone crazy. So give us insight. Speak to us by your Spirit. And again, Father, use this time to continue to shape us to be more like your Son, Jesus. We pray in His name. Amen. Church, you know, life is, uh, life is full of choices. We, we, we make choices every single day about so many different things. And the choices we make determine the persons we become. And we choose all kinds of things that impact us. We choose our friends. We, we choose the college or university we are going to attend. We choose an occupation. We choose a spouse. We choose how we're going to spend our money. We, we choose where we're going to live. Life is full of choices that, that impact our relationships. They impact our health and our wealth and our work. They impact the way we use our time. They impact the contribution that we make in the world. They impact our witness and our testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is full of choices. But of all the choices we make, the most important choices in life are those constant, sometimes perplexing, and often difficult choices we must make between what is right and what is wrong. What is righteous and what is unrighteous. What is godly and what is ungodly. Every single day, we make decisions about moral and ethical and spiritual matters. And in the society in which we live today, those decisions may be more difficult than they have ever been before. <laughs> I heard the story not too long ago about a little, first, for, uh, little fourth grader. Um, teacher said to him, Johnny, I hope I didn't just see you cheating. And Johnny said, well, teacher, I hope you didn't see me cheating either. <laughs> to cheat or not to cheat, that, that, that's, that's a decision we have to make every single day. little boy in Sunday school class was asked by his teacher to define a lie. What's a lie? And he said, a lie is an abomination unto the Lord and a very present help in time of trouble. Wish I'd thought of that. To lie or not to lie. It, really, that's something we deal with every single day. Young lady called a friend up on the phone and said, You know, my mother told me I'm not supposed to say anything about anybody unless it's good. Well, I just heard something about Betty, and boy, is it good. You know, to gossip or not, or, or not gossip. Again, those are choices we, we face every day single day. Every one of us here has to make daily choices 
uh, about what's right and what's wrong. And, and let me tell you, this is my conviction, but I believe it's based upon the Word of God. Every single time we make a wrong decision, every time we give in to sin, every time we make a decision that violates the Word of God and the will of God for our lives, we are giving Satan a victory. We are allowing the powers of darkness to triumph. And we are declaring to our world, to our children and our grandchildren, that the difference between right and wrong really doesn't matter. I'm convinced it matters. On whatever level we're making a choice, and I want to say to my own kids, it matters. As I, I want to say to the students I work with every day, it matters. I want to say to young adults, it matters. To parents, it matters. To senior adults, it matters. To Christians, it matters the kinds of choices that we make. And because I believe it matters with all of my heart, I've read this text that we're looking at together this morning. We're going to look at some principles that I believe really will help you and me when we're confronted with these crucially important matters of, of moral and ethical and spiritual significance. Before we look at these principles, let, let me say something to you that I believe is very, very important. If, if what we're going to look at today is going to help you, you have got to want these things to help you. Too many of us, I think, are, are like the man who went to the counselor and said, you know, Doc, I've been doing a lot of things I shouldn't be doing, and my conscience is really bothering me. And so the counselor said to him, okay, then we need to start trying to strengthen your willpower, Right? And the man said, well, not exactly. I was sort of hoping you could, you could somehow weaken my conscience. <laughs> Can I just say that, that much of what I see and sense in the expression of contemporary American Christianity today is some very weak conscience. Sin just doesn't, for some reason, seem to bother us like it used to bother us. Or I don't know, maybe it never really bothered us at all. But the key essential ingredient in right living, moral living, Christian living, is making the decision that you want to live a moral and ethical and spiritual and righteous life. It means saying, Lord, I want to do what's right. I want to do what's righteous. I want to do what pleases you. And if you will show me what is right and righteous, if you will show me what pleases you, then with your help, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let these principles shape the choices and the decisions that I make in life. Moral and ethical and spiritual living begins with that kind of commitment and it's not until you've done that that these principles are going to be able to help you. But they can help you. And I want to look at them quickly with you this morning, the four of them. Right from the text. So keep your copy of God's Word open, and we're going to look at them together. Here's the first one. When I have a choice to make, when I have a decision to make, 
I must, number one, consistently choose what is holy. I must consistently choose what is holy. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Did you know that? Did you know that... I'm going to say something here that has become increasingly controversial. I don't believe it ought to be controversial at all. You can decide. Did you know that if you claim to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the consistent bent of your life is toward unrighteousness and ungodliness, you are not a believer. You are not a Christian. Now, you don't hear a lot of that today, do you? Say, preacher, how can you say that? Well, I didn't say that. The Word of God says that. Look at it again. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then Paul goes on to list specifically some folks that he describes as the unrighteous. Look at this list now. Uh, here in verse 10, he mentions the sexually immoral, those who participate in premarital sexual activity, the idolaters, those who put someone or something in the place that rightly belongs to God, adulterers, those who engage in sexual activity outside of their own marriage relationships, homosexuals, those who pervert God's plan for sexual expression, thieves, those who steal from others, the greedy, those who want what others have and who'll do anything they can to get it. Drunkards, those who allow themselves to be uh, overcome by alcoholic beverages. Revilers or slanderers, those who speak untrue and unkind words about others. Swindlers, those who obtain possessions, the possessions of others by fraudulent means. These kinds of people, Paul says, will not inherit the kingdom of of God. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that if you have ever committed one of these sins that you're not a Christian or that you can't become a Christian? No, that's, that's not what he's saying. What he means is, if you are a Christian, listen to me, if you are a Christian, you have been redeemed from these things. You have been separated from these things. These things have been removed from your life and they are not to be part of your life in any shape, form, or fashion if you are a child of God. Look at verse 11. Paul says, and such were some of you. In other words, you used to be like this. But, do you see that word? But, Paul says, you have been washed now. You've been cleaned up. You were sanctified. That means to be made holy. You were justified. You have been declared in a right relationship with God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. When you become a Christian, in other words, Paul is very clear. These things were removed from your life and they should never be a part of your life. 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 5, verse 17 is a foundational biblical principle that we've got to understand. Paul said, if any person is in Christ, he, she, whoever it is, 
You're a new creation. The old things have what? Passed away. They've gone. All things have become brand new. That means there's some things that are wrong for a Christian. They're always wrong. They've always been wrong. They will always be wrong because they're specifically stated in God's Word and there can be absolutely no doubt about those kinds of things. Now, Paul names some of those things here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, but that's not an exhaustive, exhaustive list. There's another list found in Exodus chapter 20, what we call the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not profane the Sabbath day. You shall not show disrespect to your father or mother. You shall not murder, shall not commit adultery, shall not steal, shall not bear, shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, shall not covet. The Ten Commandments are a list of ten things that have been, are now, and always will be prohibited in the lives of God's children. Proverbs chapter 6. Beginning with verse 6, we have a list there of what has been called the seven deadly sins. Listen to this. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him, and then He lists them. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension. Can I remind you that the Bible says here and says very clearly God hates these things? He always has, He always will, and He does not want to see any of them in your life or my life. In the New Testament, Romans chapter 1, verses 29 through 31, the Apostle Paul condemns wickedness, greed, envy, strife, malice, gossiping, slander, insolence, arrogance, boasting, disobedience to parents, lack of love, and lack of mercy. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, he adds immorality, impurity, sensuality, sorcery, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, and carousing. What's the point? Here's the point, church. Because of the life of holiness that you have been called to and I have been called to in Christ, there are just some things that should absolutely never be part of your life. Never. Some things are wrong for a Christian and they are always wrong, always because God says they are wrong right here in His Word, and there can be no debate about those things. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, But like the one who called you, be holy yourselves in all of your behavior, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy, says the Lord. Now, have you got that one? Okay, consistently choose what is holy, and if you do, you will consistently choose what is right. Very simple. So I must consistently choose what is holy, number one. Number two, when I have a choice to make, when I have a decision to make, I must consciously choose what is holy. Helpful. I must consciously choose what is helpful. I must consistently choose what is holy. I must consciously choose what is helpful. Look at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul makes this statement. 
All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Now, we've got to be very careful here because there are some folks who pull this verse totally out of context and say, well, Paul says all things are lawful for me. You know, it's okay. I can do, can do what I want to do. No, that's not what Paul is saying here. He's not saying I can do whatever I want. He's not speaking in an absolute sense here. We just saw, didn't we? There's certain things that are always wrong, that are absolutely off limits for you if you're a Christian. There are things that are specifically forbidden you and me in the Word of God. So when Paul says, all things are lawful for me, he's talking about those things and only those things that are not specifically forbidden by Scripture, and he says those things are lawful. Now that word means allowable, it means possible, In other words, Paul's saying God's word may not specifically forbid you something, but that doesn't mean you are free to do as you please because not all things are what? Not all things are helpful. Now that that word helpful refers to something that works to your advantage. It refers to something that brings benefit to your life. Paul says, not all things are helpful to you, not all things are to your advantage, not all things are useful. To put it more directly, Paul is saying, all things do not build you up as a Christian. All things do not help you toward maturity. If you flip over a page or two to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verses 23 and 24, Paul says it again, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build you up. Instead, they act as weights that drag you down. And Paul says, listen, if you're a Christian, you've got to avoid those things. I'll illustrate it this way. I don't know of a single place in Scripture where it says, thou shalt not watch a certain kind of television show, or thou shalt not go to a certain kind of movie or read a certain kind of book or listen to a certain kind of music or go out with a certain kind of people or spend your money on certain kinds of things. Those things may not be specifically forbidden by the Word of God, but here's the deal. When you think about the results of doing some of those kinds of things, when you realize they can create unhealthy desires, clutter your mind with with all kinds of filth and falsehood, They can confuse your understanding of human sexuality. They can bombard your life with all kinds of unbiblical and unspiritual philosophies. When you realize that, you have got to conclude, if you're a Christian, that those kinds of things are wrong. You can't be a part of those kinds of things. I want to tell you, this is one of the most important principles in Scripture, and it can be applied to every area of your life. The challenge is to always do the kinds of things that build you up physically, mentally, emotionally, morally, and spiritually. 
So the next time you're faced with a decision, a choice, and you can't find any specific statement in Scripture, ask yourself, is this going to help me? Is this going to build me up as a believer? Is this going to make me more like my Lord Jesus? Is this going to be good for me in the long run? Is it going to help me grow in my Christian life? Is it going to drag me down? Is this going to enhance my testimony as a believer? Or is it going to harm the cause of Christ? It's very clear. Consciously choose what is helpful. And if you will, then you will choose what is right. Consistently choose what's holy. Constantly choose what's helpful. Consciously choose what's helpful. Number three. I don't know how you're going to feel about this one. <laughs> you ready? When I have a choice to make, when I have a decision to make, I must cautiously, very cautiously choose what becomes habitual. I must very cautiously choose what becomes habitual in my life. Look at verse 12 again, the last part. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be mastered or dominated by anything. Now, here's the principle. Let me give it to you, then I'm going to try to flesh it out a little bit. Here's the principle. The power of habit is never to take precedence over the power of God in my life. The power of habit is to never take precedence over the power of God in my life. Now, you can apply this in a lot of different ways. Again, nowhere in Scripture does it say, Thou shalt not use drugs or alcohol. Thou shalt not smoke. Thou shalt not vape. Nowhere does it say, Thou shalt not buy a lottery ticket or buy a pornographic magazine. You're not going to find that in Scripture. But listen to me. You can apply this principle and you can know that there are some things you absolutely do not want to fool around with because you do not want to take the chance on becoming dominated by those things. You do not want to become addicted to those things. I want to tell you something. I don't know any person who took his or her first drink that planned to be an alcoholic. I don't know anybody who just in the darkness of night by yourself decided you'd turn on the TV and watch something inappropriate who determined that they were going to be some kind of sexual predator. It just it doesn't work. Nobody sets out to do that, but it happens. And, and let me say this to you. Even if you're not addicted to some of those things, and even if you never become addicted, do you really, as a Christian, want to take the risk of helping somebody else become addicted by looking at your example and following you? i got to tell you, this is one of the great problems I have with a lot of the social issues of our day, whether it's gambling or drinking or smoking or vaping or pornography or whatever it is. I mean, maybe you can spend a few dollars every other week on a 
on a lottery ticket, never become a compulsive gambler. Maybe you can take a social drink, keep a six-pack in your refrigerator, never become a drunkard. Maybe you can watch the, the occasional adult video and never become a sex offender. But what about your kids or your grandkids? What about your friends? What about the other people who look at your life and take you for their example? What about them? I don't ever want one single thing I do as my kids look at my life. I don't want one single thing that I do to run the most infinitesimal risk that they would look at me and say, well, that's what dad did, so I must be able to do it. And then they become dominated. They become addicted. Their lives become destroyed. And, and listen, I, let me say this. I'm not just singling out those kinds of issues, all right? This principle applies to those who are addicted to television, addicted to video games, addicted to sports, those who can't go to bed at night without a bowl of ice cream and a Twinkie. All right? I, I mean, just here's the question. Are there, are there things in your life that you simply cannot control? Do they dominate you? If they do, then they're wrong. They're wrong because as a Christian, there should be no power in your life that is greater than the power of God. Nothing should exercise dominance over you to a greater degree than the Spirit of God. So I, I'm just saying to you this morning, cautioning you, be very, very careful about what becomes habitual in your life. Consistently choose what's holy, number one. Consciously choose what's helpful, number two. Carefully, very carefully choose what becomes habitual in your life. And then number four, when I've got a choice to make, when I've got a decision to make, I must courageously choose what brings honor to God. I must courageously choose what brings honor to God. Verses 19 through 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. My friends, some things are always wrong for you as a Christian. Even if they're not specifically forbidden, even if they're not bad for you, even if they're not habit-forming, some things are still wrong if they do not honor God. God, do, do you understand everything you are supposed to do as a believer should honor God? That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, right? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatever you do, do it all for what? The glory. Do it to make God look good. That's what it means to glory, bring glory to God. It means you make God look good. 
You make His Word look good. You make His people look good. Too many of us, too often, have made God look bad. We've made His people look bad. We've made His church look bad. Every single day that we live, every single choice that we make must be made to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. This is part of what Jesus meant when He said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may see your good lives, that you may, they may see your godly, righteous behavior and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Consistently choose what's holy. Consciously choose what's helpful. Cautiously choose what becomes habitual. And courageously choose what brings glory to God. I'm going to tell you, it's going to start taking a lot more courage in this world that we live in, folks. We're going to need some courageous people. We're going to say, I'm going to make my choices. I'm going to determine my direction. I'm going to shape my life according to the principles and the precepts of God's Word, and I will not be moved. It's going to get harder before it gets easier. <laughs> and it's only going to get easy when we get to heaven. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we want to be a people shaped by your word. We want to be a people modeled after your Son. And it is not an easy thing you have called us to. It never has been easy, never has been promised to be easy, never will be easy. But yet this is the life to which we have been called. And if there has ever, 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 ever been a need to demonstrate the difference that the gospel of Jesus Christ makes, it is today, it is now. And I pray that we as your people would have the courage and the boldness to say, Lord... If you'll show me what's right, if you'll show me what's righteous, if you'll show me what's holy, if you'll show me what pleases you, Lord, then, that, then that's what I'm going to do. And He's shown us. He has very clearly shown us right here this morning in His Word. And we can know Father, we can't do it in our own strength, never have been able to, never will be able to. We need the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit within us that we might stand up, speak up, be faithful followers of our Lord Jesus Christ in a world that could not be more diametrically opposed to the kinds of things we've talked about this morning. So help us, Father, to be that people on mission with you. And Lord, encourage us with the, with the sure and certain knowledge that you not only walk beside us, but you dwell within us. And you tell us that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Thank you, Lord. We pray this prayer in Jesus' name. We're going to sing together. Would you join me in standing? I'm not going to ask you to come forward this morning. Um, just we're trying to be as careful as we can be with things.
But you know, you can, you can make a decision right where you are this morning. And if you want to share that decision with me after the service is over, I'd encourage you to come. I'm going to be right here. And if you have something you want to share with me, if I can pray with you about anything, I'm honored to do that. But we're just going to sing together. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. And it, it is the grace of God, right, that's going to enable us to be the people He's called us to be. So I pray when we walk out of these doors this morning, we're going to realize it might not be the easiest thing to walk this walk, but we have the promise that we can be victorious by His grace within us. And we'll make the commitment to be that kind of people. Let's sing together. Kevin, you lead us.